Welcome to this week's edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. Uh, it's Brad Van Vutt. Emily Van Vutt. And uh, we are back. Uh, we took an extra week off because I didn't want to overlap our next episode with Genicon, which is next weekend as we're recording this. Um, so that's why we decided to take the extra week off. So thanks for tuning back in. Uh, this week on the show, we're going to be giving our Genicon preview, um, basically taking a look at the 10 or so uh, titles that are most interesting to us heading into Gen Con. Uh, we're also doing a review of Twilight Struggle, uh, which we've been checking you out finally recently. finally got me to play it. I did. After all this time. So we'll find out what you have to think about in it. In fairness, you showed me to this fairly early on in our board gaming career here, and it just way overwhelmed when I looked at it. Yeah, I think, After I think playing having it, some I'm time. Like, yeah, it's not so bad. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about that in depth later on. Um, but of course, first we'll get into what we've been playing. But before we do that, uh, just a reminder of where you can find us online. We are on the Twitters, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Tabletop for Two. Um, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, or whatever podcasting thing that you use. Right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> also a reminder that we are an affiliate of the Interpocalypse Studios of Shows. Uh, make sure you check them out as well. Lots of geek culture uh, programs for you to listen to. And there's also premium shows on there. Uh, that you can check out as well for a low membership of $5 a month or $50 for an entire year. So definitely take a look at those when you get the chance. We would appreciate it. So we did a big uh, Cool Stuff order a few weeks back. Uh, several Cool Stuff orders in a row. Yeah, what are you well. talking about? <laughs> so, but one of the games that we got from that uh, that I've been really anxious to play is uh, The Voyages of Marco Polo, which is uh, a new Euro dice rolling worker placement game um and it's from the same designers that design uh zolkin which is a game that we are also Fans quite partial of. to as well finally played it with the expansion it was cool yeah yeah so <laughs> we've had some you and i have had some very like weird experiences with dice rolling worker placement games well frankly we've found that they're just we'd never liked any of them well, it's not even well. Like you said before, Alien Frontiers. When we first got it, we liked it a lot. Well, see, that was yeah. different. I don't know what it was. Maybe just because that was like new and exciting, and like it was okay and it was great. And then all of a sudden, like we played it one day and we're playing. We got halfway through a game and we were just like, "I said, um, are you kind of bored with this?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Do you even want to finish?" He's like, "Nope." Yeah. So, and yeah. then uh, what else have we played? Um, Euphoria was one that we liked but just didn't work with two. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Kingsport Festival just didn't really get off the table well with us as well. The Voyages of Marco Polo is um, a game where you're rolling dice and placing them onto actions on the board to be able to take goods or to gain new contracts. Contracts are one of the primary ways that you earn victory points. Or to be able to move to different cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be able to move your explorer around. Um, this is cool because when you're placing the dice on the board, you're generally placing sets of dice. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not like, like there's no, there's not a lot of blocking in the game. Like you can place on a space that another person is placed on, but you have to pay for that it. occurs if you have no money. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you just have to pay for it. And it's the payment is based not on the dice that they have on the space, but the die that you're putting on the space. But the, but the lower your die is the less good the action will be. So there's a nice balancing mechanism in that, um, this one plays, a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah, too. we banged it out in what, like 45 minutes? Yeah, it's pretty quick. Um, it only goes five rounds, and the, each round consists of players generally doing like two to four 
main or not like more like three to four main actions generally yeah it's pretty it's pretty tight on what you can and can't mm-hmm. do in this game now you what, have to really really be really plan out your turn yeah now what i like about it is that and this is what's what has been getting a lot of buzz about the game is that there's each player gets one of these individual player powers in the game and they're super super broken yeah they're like all ridiculously good but it's it's one of those things that because they're all broken by proxy none of them are broken since everything's crazy so like we're talking about like like one person one one of the player powers is you don't have to roll your dice you can just make your dice whatever well, I, you want yeah them to i be. had that one and i had the one where i didn't cost me any money to place dice over other people's mm. dice or there's one where you have two explorers on the travel map and you can move them both simultaneously or during what was the, the game. one you had where you automatically get 10 points at the end at the beginning of the game yeah the, there's one where you can start in the like ultimate destination of Beijing basically and the first person to get there gets 10 points well I that player starts there so they automatically get the 10 point bonus straight away plus they have um you know possible inroads to another country so we played this one twice in pretty quick succession um we like it a lot it's definitely worth uh worth exploring um not too not too many differences with the two player game the only thing that you do differently is there's some blocking dice that you put on um, certain spaces to make it so that like the the one space where you get five bucks when you place a die there it just makes that space less effective um, just because you have to pay whenever you're placing your die there and then the other one is just limiting the amount of um, player uh, activations that a certain space on the board can have kind of just blocks them off so good two-player game like I said, doesn't really change too much from the regular version but this is one i think that hopefully will stand the test of time for us as many games in the genre haven't been able to um the next one is a game that we've uh we've had before um but really haven't gotten to play too often this is longhorn uh by bruno cathala uh, and published by blue orange games uh so longhorn takes sort of the mechanism that's in five tribes where you can move to different tiles on the board, but boils it down into a two-player experience. So Five, five Tribes has been said it's not a very good two-player game, um, but Longhorn is specifically designed for two players where you're basically you, hurting. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> our, yeah. our cat has brought us his present of his uh, stuffed mouse. Yes, if you couldn't <laughs> hear in the background. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Longhorn has you, uh, you're, you're each playing cattle thieves, and you're trying to steal... Uh, cattle from different spaces on the board and there's four different color cattle where where this game is really interesting with that is that the value of each color cattle at the end of the game is dependent on how many of those cattle are left on the board when the game ends so the more there are the more money each of them is worth yeah so you have to balance you know you still want to get the most of something but you don't want to take too many because then your opponent will just take the rest and make them worthless essentially yeah like you did to me several times absolutely jerk and then each space is also populated with either a bonus or a penalty of some kind that if you take the last cow um, off the space that you get the benefit or or drawback from like one of them's like a was it like a snake bite yeah you get I a think. snake bite there's one it's a you can get money you mm-hmm. can get uh, an extra turn yep uh there's a sheriff towel but if you get the sheriff towel you lose yep yeah the snake <laughs> the snake bite one just has you like having to place cattle of in surrounding you spaces have to that place you one cattle of each color that you have mm-hmm. into the surrounding spaces yeah so it's um I, I like this game a lot what do you think about it 
I really enjoy it. Like I said, it's a nice quick that falls into our filler category. Nice palate. Oh, it's a definite filler. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a fifteen minute game. I would say it's a palate cleanser for in yeah. between two uh, more meaty games. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I don't like about it is that for a game that only takes like ten or fifteen minutes to play, it definitely has a very elaborate setup to it because like you have to randomly draw cows to put on the different spaces and you draw the tiles and it seems like there's a lot to set up for such a quick game Um, but the gameplay itself is great i don't feel like that we need to have five tribes because we have this well you haven't felt like we needed that since day one so why not it just it just doesn't look interesting to me Okay. Especially for two players. So. Then we don't need it. Well, no, I'm not trying to like not talk like myself into it or anything. We don't have hundreds of other games to play. No, I know. Yeah, I'm not trying to talk myself into it. I'm just saying I'm, I'm glad that he made a game that kind of you know embodies a similar spirit in like the main mechanic of that game. But that I like works the well little too. cow meeples. Yeah, they do have little <laughs> little animeeples for the cows, basically. So, now and blue orange like so far. Um, and they sent us the cool sticker. They did. They did. <laughs> no, but really good component quality. Um, there's a new game they're coming out with the Gen Con called Newark 1901 that also I've been hearing is like super high end as far as the components go. So very good to see I always enjoy good components. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, Longhorn, solid two-player filler. Um, worth checking out if uh, if you're looking for such a thing. Uh, the other night we busted out Viticulture again. Uh, we're into the Tuscany expansion. I think we're into the third module now. Something like that. We just broke into the second tier. Of my, we're we're unlocking them legacy style. Yeah, it's uh pretty cool. I kind of like it. Oh yeah. Each one has added a little bit more, and it's just made it way more interesting. No, it's, yeah, Viticulture is a really, really fun worker placement game. Also, the game that got us to start drinking wine, <laughs> <laughs> or at least wanted to check it out. It's funny be though because the game is a lot simpler than a lot of games that we tend to gravitate towards in the Euro space. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's so cool. Like, I love it. I feel like, I don't know, it's, it scratches an itch that other things just don't, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just odd that, you know, typically, like, a lot of the simpler games, games that we started playing when we first started kind of playing these games have kind of fallen off the wayside a little bit. Like, we played Carcassonne for the first time in months the other day. Well, that's because I wanted to play it on the grip mat. Well, I know, but I'm saying like that was it, the whole purpose of getting the grip mat. Was so the whole we, purpose, but so that, that was one of the things Carcassonne, I, I used we to don't sell you knock on the it. Thing yeah, everywhere. But um, but like it's but it's just funny because Viticulture is a lot of simple things. Now the Tuscan expansion is definitely adding a lot more replayability to the game because it adds a lot more variability. The next one that we're doing is going to be the the expanded board, basically, which oh, is kind of crazy. Yeah, I really like the um the bigger fields mm-hmm. that that the last one added was it the last one or the one before uh it's the property expansion it's 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 an expansion that makes your fields variable your wine your um your vine fields varying sizes um but you can sell unused ones for money vineyard honey oh sorry whatever vineyard i thought the vineyard was the whole the whole uh establishment <sighs> am i wrong in that i might be wrong in that I don't know, but don't it's know a vineyard either. because that's where it is. Yeah, but and then okay. like so they have an expand a mini expansion that adds like a you know hidden end game scoring mechanic. Um, the one that we just played with for the first time the other day um, adds variable starting resources for each player. So just really cool. Um, and I'm enjoying combining all the different ones together. Apparently, once that you get to the tier three, those are the ones that add like new. Like that feel like more traditional game expansions that actually add new 
major. Is that pieces the one that the have game. like the little meeples and stuff in the box that I? No, seen? that's part of the tier two. Actually, that's really? part. Yeah, that's part of regular thing. I'm talking about like one of them has you also making cheese at your <laughs> at your vineyard in, instead of just wine with as well. That wine. Yeah, so I mean, it's it like I said, a lot to get to there. Um, really great game, and and Stonemeyer Games is really one of those companies that like whenever they put anything on Kickstarter, it's almost an auto back for us at this point. Yeah, because we kind of love everything especially the treasure chest i love that damn thing oh yeah it's been fantastic <laughs> it, it makes me sad that the the one that they just launched the campaign for the mm-hmm. new ones um actually they might not have launched it yet but there's not we don't have enough games that would take advantage of those components to do what it but it? i still kind of want it like he like there's actually three different ones there's one that i think it works you, really like, well customize? with i'm like we can pick and choose no like it, they're they're set to the three different boxes you know they're on maple source now like you can pick yeah. and choose extra well ones. yeah you'll be able to buy them separately but like one of them's like really good for i think like agricola um and the other one is almost like a power grid resource upgrade kit and i can't remember what the what the uh, third hunts. one is. They're probably all the ones that are on Meeple Source because I would imagine so. I've showed you those before. Yeah, I can't remember if the campaign happened or not. But it's I mean, like I said, it's the treasure chest is cool. Um I love the money in Viticulture. But we got the metal money and mm, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm thinking about outsourcing that to other <laughs> other games. I mean, no, like it would work really well for Terra Mystica. It would it would function and oh, stuff like that. So I'm glad we got to to the table a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. I want to play it again. Actually, <laughs> we don't get enough time with that game just because of the time commitment that it comes with. But yeah, well, yeah, no, we just need to not be like, oh, hey, let's play this. Let's play this. No, no, Terra Mystica Night. Sorry, yeah. that's it. So, but but yeah, Viticulture. If if you have it and you don't have the Tuscany expansion, I, I I can't recommend enough to get it. And if you don't have the game, then you should definitely find them both and and buy them because they're very good. Like, yes. really good, really good work placement game. Um, we also a couple weeks back, actually a couple months back at this point, picked up the City on the Zwin expansion for Bruges. This is kind of awesome. It adds boats. It will. It, so it's <laughs> it's a modular expansion. So it adds a couple of different things. First, there's more workers, which is fine. Like that's right. that's perfect for that game. But it adds the boats, and if you is it. I forget. Is it if you use workers of that color, you can get that boat when you're you canal the, building, and you can use the bonus from the boat. Yeah. Apparently, so apparently, in the original game, some people felt that canal building was under serviced. I guess like it wasn't that important to do it, and I could see that because I it's some it's not a strategy that I typically pursued in most games, and I know you did, and we tended to be competitive every game. So I guess right. there. But so this expansion basically each each round a couple of ships come into port. Um, and the ships will have like bonus actions on them. And when you build a canal, um, if I'm trying, if you discard a worker, um, that matches the color of one of the the ships, yeah, then you get the bonus action, which sometimes it's, uh, move up on, I think one was move up on the influence track. Mm. One was, uh, money, money, and then workers, I think is one. So it was cool. Yeah. It's, it, it adds a nice little flavor to the game and also makes it so that even if you don't really pursue canal building sometimes it's nice to get the the extra action what other what other modules did that expansion add i'm trying to think the travelers the travelers refresh the my traveler memory cards remember the traveler cards oh well, that's a new guild yeah that's part that's part of the new workers that's part basically of the, 
but that was part of the expansion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 new guild that's added in the game lets you um lets usually you dig go through, through the, discard the discard pile to get cards for free. Which if you can get one of these big money cards for free, it's pretty good. Well, I mean, that's yeah. I think we both did yeah once in that game. Like, yeah. and that was kind of crazy. The they the other the other expansion I remembered is the market cards that like give you a bonus for doing specific actions on each turn. It didn't really work well for two players the i don't think it, the only one we really took advantage of was i think the canal yeah because <laughs> we were both chasing that pretty heavily <laughs> um I mean, that's that's one that i can take or leave though well that one would probably be better if you had more people i know but like it's 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 i'm like i'm considering yeah it's like yeah i'm considering not even really using it, it in i don't the, think we need yeah, it and the next I time that the we other play things it. Are, are good enough i don't think we need that because we like i said we didn't really utilize it I feel like there's one more expansion. It's driving me nuts that I can't remember what it was. It'll it'll probably come to me later on. Okay. So, but it's it's a solid expansion. It's thirty bucks. Um, I mean, you can get it cheaper online, of course. Not much cheaper though. Do you, would you say it's necessary for Bruges? No, not I wouldn't. At all. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would agree with Bruges you. Bruges is a fantastic, in my opinion. Bruges is a fantastic game all on its own. So, who would you recommend it to? What? Like the getting the expansion. Um seasoned gamers <laughs> i'm like i'm trying to think like it's if, if you've had the game for a while and you're maybe if it's gone a little stale for you then mm-hmm. i'd say get it because it does kind of freshen it up a little bit yeah as a fifth player too so if you if you have five players that want to play it's kind of necessary for that yeah um yeah i like the extra workers but they're not like super important like the ships are probably the most important the thing part yeah to me that's in there um I don't know. It's 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 a tough call. Like like you know, speaking of another expansion we got recently, like the tr- the tribes and prophecies expansion for Zolkin, I would say is almost essential for that game. Like cuz it ad- it adds so much that that's really good. Um this one eh. you could do without this. Yeah, I mean I, I like there's a reason that Feld games don't typically have expansions because he does it right the first time yeah because he does a good enough job designing it the first time around so i mean if you're really into bruges and you just want more stuff to do i'd say get it um if you're like eh, i don't know like bruges is fine the way it is i, I don't know if it's going to add that much unless you need that fifth player um yeah i don't know if it's gonna add that much that i'd give it like a blanket go get this recommendation for it but yeah bruges seeing this win it, it's fine like i said I, there's parts that i like more than others um but so so is my final uh my final ranking there so that's what we've recently been playing. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, our review of Twilight Struggle. So stay tuned. So Twilight Struggle uh, is a game that was designed by Anad Gupta and Jason Matthews. It's published by GMT. Um, I think it's been around for 10 years now at this point. Um, and it's kind of famous because it is ranked the number one game on Board Game Geek's rankings. Um, so I've, I've been curious about this game for a while. Uh, Emily mentioned earlier in the show that I showed her to this very early showed on. Showed this to her. Yeah. <laughs> Very early on in our <laughs> gaming career. Um, and it was just too much to handle at that time. I looked time. at him. I said, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, I don't want to play Risk. So why do I want to play this? Yes, yeah, so I, I let it I let it be. Um, and then recently, 
I, I watched like a like a let's play video of it, I guess, or like a no, session no, no, report. No, 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 that's not what happened. You sent me Kickstarter things, and you're like, "Here, watch this. See if you like this." And there was a game on there oh, the called Thirteen, 13 Days, yeah, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, that looks really interesting." He's like, "Wow, that's great!" Because if you like that, I think you like Twilight Struggle. And he gets all excited like a kid in a candy store, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, calm down!" Thought he was gonna start wagging his butt at me like the, <laughs> like the cat does when I give him, you know, treats. It's like, jeez. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I I watched I watched the you know let's play video of it, kind of edited to see and. It looked like it would be a game that would be some, you know, it, it, it's it's deceptively simple in the gameplay. The difficulty comes from kind of knowing the right thing to do. So we'll give a brief um, since we're doing a full fledged review of it. We're going to give you a brief rule synopsis at the top here before we go into our impressions. So it's Twilight Struggle is a two player card driven war game. Um, it's set during the Cold War. Uh, each player is going to represent one of the superpowers that were feuding during the cold war that being the u.s and the soviet union um during that time so on the board uh is of a couple i think it's what is it six geographic regions and each of those regions is marked made up of several countries um some countries are more important to the conflict than others and yes. those are marked as battleground countries and they have a specific uh, they're mostly they're mostly for scoring. Yeah, for, for differentiating scoring. So the way the game works, it takes place over a maximum of 10 turns. And then each of those turns is broken up into a number of action rounds. Uh, the number you play is based on how far you are in the game, essentially. And then there's three decks of cards. There's an early war deck, a mid war, and a late war. You start with the early war deck. Um, I think in round four, the mid war cards get shuffled in. And then I think in round eight the uh, late war deck gets shuffled into the mix as well. And the and basically that just spaces out the events um, from the Cold War. I think the early war covers like from the beginning to the late 50s and then the mid-war covers like the 60s to the 70s and then the late war stuff is the 80s and uh, to the end of the war. Um, so the cards are how the gameplay progresses because each of these cards is an event card that has a Cold War event on it, but it also has an operations points value that's at the top of the card. It's going to range from one to four points. And on your turn, you're going to play one of these cards to the table. Now, if the card... There are, saying, but there are Soviet cards and there yeah. are U.S. cards. And there, there's one... Cards that, that are that, both. That yeah. are neutral cards, what I say, because you, they can be either or. Yeah. So, yeah. and and that describes the event on the card. Like, the U.S. cards are benefits that... Or events that benefit the U.S. player. And the Soviet cards are cards that benefit the Soviet player. So, when you play a card out of your hand on your turn, if it's a card that's either... That either matches your country or um, is a card that affects both countries, you get a choice. You can either play... Use the event on the card itself, um, which, you know, will tell you what to do, basically. Or you can spend the operations points on the card... Instead. And you can gain uh, standing in the different countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's actually four different things you can spend operations points on, um, which we'll cover in a little bit. Uh, the the catch is, though, is that occasionally you're going to have to play cards that are cards for your opponent. Now, when you play a card that's an event for your opponent, you get the operations points from the card. But they get to do the the text on the card. Yes, the event the event will happen in that case. And that's kind of what the whole you know, agonizing decision-making part of the game is... Oh, I had him squirming in his shorts a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Like, I really don't want to play this card. <laughs> well, because the events are often 
like really good and you're like man i really don't want to play this so it's about you know timing when the event happens to yeah to mitigate it (laughs) as much as you possibly can um to give your opponent the least advantage as possible from playing the card now the other cards that are in the mix in the decks are scoring cards for each of the regions on the board and that's where the other interesting things in play is that scoring is done by the players um, and it's decided when, when you know when they play these cards to the table when that happens. And you want to try and hold the scoring cards until it not, not only benefits you most or hurts you the least in terms of the region um, played. So you can try and make inroads into a region before you actually score it to get as many points as you possibly can uh, from that area on the board. Um, so that's that's the gist of the card play now. Like Emily mentioned, when you get operations points, there's you can choose one of four different things to do with them. Uh, the first one and the thing you're going to be doing the most often is you're going to sp- place your influence into different countries on the board. And you can place influence in countries that you already occupy or countries that are adjacent to ones that you occupy. And each operations point is one influence that you can place on the board. Um, realignment rolls are the next thing you can do. Um, that's just trying to remove your opponent's influence from countries they control. Um, it's it's done with a die roll. You get a bonus if you are also in that country or if you have control Isn't of countries that, that are surrounding it. Well, a coup, yeah, a coup is the next thing you can do, and coup is kind of the kind of what drives the military part of the game forward. Um, because I was not very good at coups. No, and and that's and that's that's where a lot of the skill in the game is is cooing at the right time in the right locations. Um, because but the baby coos all the time. Well, he does. <laughs> but that is um. So a coup is if you're trying to just oust your com- opponent out of a country and trying to wrestle control yeah, away of it from them. Yeah, Brad kicked my hiney out of a couple places. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's coups are things that are easier to do in countries that are less stable. Um, each country has a stability number on it, and that basically represents how easy the con- how easy or difficult the country is to control. I remember you went to go do one, and you're like, "Whoa! I didn't realize that it was so high in that country." Well, I was oh, I was going I was going to try and coup you in North Korea because I was trying to control all of Asia, but North Korea is like a three stability, which is insanely high in <laughs> in this game. You're like, oh, um, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So, and coups are also um, important because they represent military operations and at the end of each of the turns um, players are expected to have done a number of military operations uh, that corresponds to the DEFCON level. There's a DEFCON track on the board um, that's going to raise or lower throughout the game as well Um, and you have to basically do enough military operations that matches the state of the DEFCON level um, by the time the round ends. The last thing you can do is you can contribute a card towards the space race uh, space race is sort of a technology track that represents the competition it between was the two. Eh. Like I didn't really find it to be too terribly integral. Well, what I mean, what's what is important for that though is that when you play it, you can only play a card to the space race once per turn. But when you do it, um, it basically makes it so that the event on the card is canceled, even if it's one of your opponent's cards. So it's it's they call in the book they call it a safety valve. Um, it's basically if you have an event in your hand that would benefit your opponent so much that you're like, I absolutely positively cannot allow this card to be played. Um, you can, you can dump it on the space race and that way, um, you don't have to suffer the ill effects. But in that case, it goes into the discard pile and it gets shuffled back in later on. So you're going to, you're going to go through, like I said, each turn consists of multitude of action rounds. Um, at the end of each act of uh, the end of each turn, um, you're basically going to reset, you get a new hand of cards and you go again. 
So there's a couple of different ways the game can end. Um, the most basic one is at the end of 10 turns, uh, all the countries score one more time, and simply the player with the most victory points wins the game. The, the victory points is a track that goes 20 points in either direction, and it works kind of like a tug of war, basically. You're just trying to make sure that the victory point marker is on your side of the track at the end of the game. In case you guys haven't noticed, I'm not much of a rules gal. Brad always does the rules <laughs> yes, reading. Yes, I'm always the rules guy. Um, you this, enjoy reading the rule books because you're a weirdo. I, like I said, I can, I can discern a lot of the game from there. Um, the second way the game can end is at any time um, during the game when Europe is scored, when the Europe region is scored, if one player controls it, which is to say that they have control of every battleground country that's in Europe and they have more countries controlled in Europe than their opponent does, then you just automatically win because it, it represents how how vital Europe was to the uh, or to the struggle. If the idiot plays a card and Defcon drops to zero, then you win. They lose. Yeah. So, like I said, there's there's a persistent Defcon track, um, and the Defcon track does a couple things. The first thing it does is it limits where coups can be attempted. So basically, the lower the DEFCON level is, um, the, the, it starts blocking out regions on the board where you can perform coups. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of use that as a tool. So like if you... Because ba- whenever you perform a coup in a battleground country, it, it lowers the DEFCON level. So let's say that DEFCON's at status 3, and I decide to pull a coup in the Middle East. Well... In a battleground country, well, once that coup is done, DEFCON will lower to two, which then blocks coups from happening in the Middle East. So Emily wouldn't be able to immediately retaliate against me for doing that. Um, but like Emily said, if DEFCON ever gets down to one, it actually ignites a thermonuclear war, which ends the game. And the player who played the event card or whose, whose turn it is basically loses because they're the one that's responsible for setting off the war that's actually how our, our the game that we played ended it was because emily played a card that during the headline yeah phase, during during the initial headline phase of the round where like not even think, yeah well because not knowing what he's going to play i'm thinking okay we were at what defcon 3 it was defcon 3 yeah and i was like okay and then all of a sudden he plays a card it lowers the defcon level and then i'm like oh oh <laughs> crap because like then the the next card the card that I played happened to be a U.S. card and mm. then he got to do the event and it's like oh lower the DEFCON and I was like son of a b yeah <laughs> like that, I mean and that's you have to be careful because there are cards that allow your opponent to adjust the DEFCON level one way or the other but if you play one of those event cards and they adjust it down to one even though they're the ones that lowered it to DEFCON one since it was your turn you're considered to have lost. So you got to, I appreciate how they have some of those, uh, some of those minefields that you can navigate there. So that's, that was the rules of twilight struggle. Basically. Um, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, obviously, but as far as a broad overview, that's basically what it is. Um, so what did you like about this game? Um, you know, I always like games that make me think and really like take a look and plan out my turns Mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, I just really, I really enjoy the fact that, like, I'm limited in the actions that I can take, but I still felt like I could do so much with my turn, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what I had in my hand. Yeah, I, 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 I like how a lot, some of those event cards, especially when you have an event card that's for your faction, really makes you agonize. You're like, man, I really want this event to happen, 
but I really need these operations points to do mm-hmm. this specific mm-hmm. thing this round. And of course, the the better events are the ones that have the higher ops point values on of them. Of course. So you so sometimes it forces you to make some really difficult decisions. Now, when you play a card for the ops points, um, it just gets discarded and could get shuffled back in. So but you if might you play say, the event, sometimes they get discarded. Yeah, there the there are certain unique events, and, and the and when we say event cards, it's historic events that happened during the Cold War. So we're talking Which, like that was the other thing I really liked about just to interject a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really big on like war history. I have you know my pop was a World War II vet. He told me horror stories, so I really don't get too much into war stuff. But I really enjoyed it that it taught me things, you know what I mean? Because mm. I really didn't know much about the Cold War to begin with. And I love that I actually learned some things, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was kind of cool. Well, I, I do like history, um, but I was I surprised. I like history, just not war stuff. <laughs> well, but I was and I, but I was surprised because I, I didn't really know much about the Cold War, which considering it's, I mean, the, it ended in our lifetime. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's something that's pretty recent. Some of the, I gotta say, some of the things on some of the uh, names or titles on the cards mm-hmm. are hilarious. Like the one I played this card um, on Bradness, like I had to poke him in the chest or something. Like I had to, it's like do this and poke, oh, that was poke the, the uh, that was the, the kitchen. Was it the kitchen debates or something I like don't that? Remember what it was, well, because that actually ha- Nixon actually did that. Yeah, too. no, I get that, but I thought it was hilarious because like it literally says on the card, "Poke your opponent in the chest," and I was like, "This is hilarious." <laughs> So, but like, like we're talking like the events, like the the formation of NATO, or when Nasser came into power in Egypt, or the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, you know, things like that that are events in the game. Again, some of them are unique. Um, some of them are not unique because, some, like, the Olympics is something that happened, you know, every couple of years during this during this event. So that card will get shuffled back in frequently. Um, I also kind of enjoyed how. I don't know if you want to say thematic some of the events were, but like with the Olympics one as an example, like so the players can each elect to compete in the Olympics or they might boycott the Olympics. And if you boycott the Olympics, it lowers DEFCON so that like the tension between the two countries grows. But if you compete, you you know, you roll a die and whoever gets the higher role. Unfortunately, I played an Olympics. I'm talking like (laughs) that's what my grandmother says. She calls them the Olympics. Anyway. Uh, I play the Olympics card, and of course, I lost because this a hole across for me decided, "Hey, I'm going to play this and lower DefCon." And then I play that card. Oh, I oh, win. No, that, that was a, um, the card that you played that caused you to lose was the Summit card. No, I it thought, definitely I was. I thought it was the Olympics card. No, no, it was definitely the. Uh, I thought we had to roll. Remember, one of the Summit card also had used a die roll as well. Um, which actually, it was funny because you actually had an advantage of that die roll because you had some positive modifiers going for you. <laughs> So that was pretty cool. As I've told you many times, the dice hate me. They can. It's only they one die. They hate me one, so though. bad. Um, what else did you like with this one? <sighs> um, I like that it kind of scratches that risk itch mm-hmm. without being so risk-like. <laughs> well, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Because. I, uh, well, it's think, think so. There is some know. die rolling in the game, but a lot of it can be mitigated through proper preparation. And I love the fact that I can freak you out when playing this game. Oh yeah. What do you, well, what do you mean? When I started taking over Africa. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. What the, what are you doing? What are you up to? Oh my God. I need to get in here. I need to get, oh. 
<laughs> well, and it was funny because I don't think you even had the scoring ha- card in your hand. No. Like I just, like you just all of a sudden like broke for Africa and you just completely took control of it. And that's one of the kind of cool things you'll have in this game sometimes is I remember when you did that. I got I think like I was a up 17 like, spo- point swing or something ridiculous like that. Well, I remember at the time um, I quickly moved into South America and then played the scoring card right away just to get as many points as possible. And then you were like, oh, man, you got like and the maximum if you ever get to 20 points um, either side during the game, you, you win. win automatically. And I had like, what, 14 or 15 points. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, I guess this is over. I'm like, eh, don't be so sure. And then, of course, I had to play the Africa card later because it was in my hand. And I and you have to play that, the scoring and then I cards. I had all the like I had like Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, you definitely had the Middle and, East pretty locked and down too. And I played that card too, and I was like, and then I was like, we went from him having fourteen points to me having seventeen points on my side. Yeah, it's it like so the <laughs> the victory point swings can be pretty wild, which is cool because even when you think that someone is cruising, um, it still remains pretty balanced. I'd yeah. say. Um, I also enjoyed how the game, like it, it's it's a complex game. But the rules were really simple. Like once we were maybe three turns into the game, you you understood, you know, much greater what was going on, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think the next time we play, it'll be even better because at least, you know, we've been through most of the cards Mm -hmm. once. So we'll understand a little more. We'll have a little better idea of what strategy to Mm -hmm. employ and whatnot. Yeah, that that was one of the things I was going to mention when we get to what we didn't like about the game is that when you first play, um you it's can get some so you can get smacked much. in the face a little bit because like there was one um uh, during I the headline phase I definitely got some AP going on Well no not even that but like I remember during the headline phase and the headline phase happens at the beginning of each turn where you each play a face down card so and the events happen It's so tough to play a card with that though sometimes Well but I remember you were really excited cuz you were like oh I got this great event I'm going to play it out it's going to be great and then the card that I flipped over was defectors which canceled Oh and you your completely event. canceled my event Yeah <laughs> I think the one that I played it would have given me points and I think I was going to win Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, oh, sorry. Yeah, and, but you didn't know that that card existed, unfortunately, because no. it was the first time we had played. So, I mean, it's so, but now you'll know to kind of look out for that card, um, you know, so that you don't make that same mistake. Yes, but I got to play my, you know, mean card, too. You did. I mean, and like I said, it's, there's, there's definitely, the game is as balanced as it can. I mean, I've heard um, that it's a little bit easier for the Soviet player to win than the U.S. player. Um, obviously, I mean, it's going to take repeat plays for us to be able to identify if that's actually true or not. Obviously not the first time because I lost. I don't know. I mean, it, it took us, we got to turn nine. And and again, you. I don't think you made a poor play. You did, You had no clue that what I was going to play was going to take DEFCON gonna... to the brink, basically. So, I mean, it's... But again, it's it, that's something you learn as, as you go along here. Anything else uh, that you wanted to mention particularly that you liked? Um... I mean, I thought the components were solid. I mean, it's 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 a GMT game, so you're getting a ton of cardboard chits, um, but everything is a pretty decent quality. Um, the He's board not is easy to read. About the cardboard chips, good lord! I had like nine piles in front of me. Well, we've played. I mean, you played Thunder Alley. <laughs> you know, how you like all the different I tire like chips Alley. and stuff like that that they have. Yeah. So, but it's it's just, like I said, it's it's a it's a well produced game. Um, apparently, the original edition didn't even have a mounted board though. Like it was just like a paper. A folded paper map basically i can't imagine having no to mess with that way. but uh but yeah so decent components um the rules are very uh very easy to read um very easy to understand uh and as you know once you get going in the game the gameplay becomes pretty simple all right so things that you didn't like 
about the game? Uh, well, I said, I think just for the, from the first playthrough, there's just like so much to take in at first. Mm. And I was just like, but, and some of the cards just seem a little overpowered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's sometimes in the game where, like, especially with the coups, where it's dependent on a die roll. And like I said earlier, there is I'm some level of mitigation. Of that. I really, yeah. Like, I, and it's it's supposed to represent, like, realism to a degree. Like, you know, not every coup that you attempt is going to be yeah, successful. But the, by the same token, a, dice, a die roll is just pure luck. And, yeah. and you know me, I'm not big on luck driven stuff. I'm really not. Well, especially in a game like that, when, when, when the rest of the game is fairly deterministic like it, it always kind of sucks when like you set yourself up like you'll play a four ops card to do a coup in a two stability country and you roll like a like a two and you, <laughs> and you get to remove like one influence and you're like well that was a that was a tremendous bust and the other thing i think i really didn't i found it a bit difficult to get into other countries like some of them you had to actually play a card out of your hand to get mm-hmm. to certain places i wish it were a little easier to move but i guess that's well i think it's by like so like I, i'm assuming it's by design but yeah. you know what i mean well like i think so like i think i know what i meant so like purposefully in the game it's you don't really start going into south america until you get to the mid-war because south america wasn't right. really and involved in it until the but mid-war still, even then it's really difficult to get in there Oh yeah, but I mean, once you got into Cuba, you were you were rolling right along, weren't you? Well, that's because you played that card because you uh, had to. Apparently, the Fidel card is always <laughs> is like one of the worst cards for the U.S. player to have in their hand during the game. Um, I kind of feel what you're saying about the space race too. Um, it just felt unnecessary. Well, it's I think it's necessary like, to have the ability to throw away a potentially harmful card. But at the same time, I'm sure they could have come up with something else. Yeah. Because I really don't feel like the benefits on the track are really that great. No, I mean, like, the technologies that you get are helpful. Like, like one of the things you can earn is yes, the ability to play Yes, but only the cards. first person that gets there earns it. If yeah. you get there second, then you're screwed. Well, you don't, you're not screwed because if you get, once you get there second, you cancel out the first player's ability to have it, basically. Yeah, so. but that's not fair. You should get it too. Well, I mean, I, I I could see why they didn't want to make it a game where you had like this escalating like super abilities that you could do. Yeah. Um. First play was definitely a little rougher for this one, and it's just because there are so many cards in the game, and they all do something different that it's gonna. I take got a, a little while. bit of AP just trying to read the cards. Yeah. This one's sitting here. So he's like, "Oh well." I was like, "Can you shut up so I can read my cards?" <laughs> I was like, I'll figure it out. Shh. If I need your help, I'll ask. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things that I didn't really care for the game. I, there I'm was kinda, a lot yeah. that I didn't really care for. Like I said, there's just, you know, most of it's just nitpicky stuff on my part. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, there's always going to be some things. Yeah, there wasn't anything major um, that was too crazy for sure. So why? So what about this game makes it a great two player experience to, in your mind? I mean, I just, I just like the insane amount of tension that the game has. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those. It really keeps you on edge, like the whole time. Like you're never safe. Mm-hmm. I kind of love that about it. Well, and the thing that I love about, like, we are so competitive with one another mm-hmm. in games. Like, this is perfect for us because you are, you have to be like super on your game. Yeah. And I, and I love two player games that do the the tug of war scoring instead of just 
net scoring victory points. I think the tug of war aspect is yeah. Is the a last bit more game that did that was not so good for me. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's and like I said, it's a great and and it plays in a reasonable amount of time for the amount of depth that's in the game too. Because like our first play took what a little over three hours, I think, mm-hmm. and we and we played quote unquote 80 percent of the full game but that was the first play where we're reading all the cards and right next time we'll be able to shave off probably at least half an hour i think mm-hmm. and that's you know it's, it's not a game that we'll play every week but certainly but like once like every month, month or two month game yeah. or once every two months yeah i could see us busting it out and and this is a game that especially like if you're gonna be playing with the same person over and over again. And I'm itching to play again to get some revenge. Oh yeah. Well and that's that that's the coolest part for me is that you you wanna get get it back on the table so soon. Because before we've tried games that take that length of time and you've just been like, Oh my god, like I I can't see myself playing that again for a while. Like Rune Wars, for example, is is one such a game. And and that's cool because you and I typically don't get to play games that length just because of our situation mm-hmm. with you know with the baby and everything. Um, but to have one that, you know, we can, if we can get it on the table at eight, we'll be able to get it done, you know, before we go to bed mm-hmm. is, is pretty cool. So I, and, and it's, again, it's a, it's a great experience if you're playing with the same person, because then you'll learn like what kind of strategies Hun, they employ. We've and, been together for 12 years. I think, you know, every strategy I got. No, but I'm saying like playing within your own, like personal metagame is, would be kind of cool with this one, I think, especially over repeat plays as you go. So you mean you're trying to get in my head? A little bit. Stay out of my head, <laughs> the, Van Vutt. The, the Yomi, the Yomi to get in there. So stay out of my head, Van Vutt. So for uh, so we're not gonna do um, we we don't I don't like number ratings. Um, it's not the great thing. So when we whenever we do reviews on the show, at the end of it, we're gonna say whether we think you should buy the game, whether we think you should try the game, or whether it's something you can pass on. So your opinion, Emily, Twilight Struggle. If you are in uh, a board gaming couple as we are, I would definitely say buy it. Okay. If, cause if, and if you're into like the cutthroatiness like we are, definitely. Yeah, I, I would say buy it as well. It's, it's not a game that's going to appeal to every couple for sure. No. Um, but if, you're, if, you're, if you can handle something heavier, um, if you can get down with the theme a little bit, something that's a little drier, um, it's a really good game. Uh, it's something that has a lot of replayability. I can't wait to see what the next play of it's going to be like. So yeah, if you if it sounds like something that you'd be interesting thing, I would definitely say Twilight Struggle is a buy mm-hmm. for sure. So that's Twilight Struggle. Now I'll ask you this too: Do you think it's deserving of the? I mean, this is one play, so I mean it's you know in perspective. But do you understand? I guess why it's ranked number one on Board Game Geek. I can understand, but it's not my number one. Well, that's fair. It's not my number one either, but it's, it's, uh, it, it, but it's, it, uh, again, what we were just talking before the show that number ratings are very arbitrary. They are. And that, you know, in this day and age, you know, my five is somebody else's 10 yeah. probably, you know, but I, but I will say for me, um, it definitely lived up to the hype that's kind of built around the game just because it has this lofty status within the, within the board gaming community. Well, I don't even know about all that. I just know that, you know, my husband lit up like a kid on Christmas. When he's <laughs> like, you want to play it with me? Really? It's like, yes, dear. I will play it with you. Cool. So, but yeah, that's our review of Twilight Struggle. Um, let us know your thoughts about it. Uh, if you guys have played it or just how, how you think our review was. Uh, but when we come back after a short break, we will get into our Gen Con 2015 preview. So stick around.
we're back from our break, and we are ready to start into our Gen Con 2015 preview. Yeah, so Gen Con, um, uh, anyone that's listening to this probably knows, is the biggest board gaming convention uh, in the in the U.S. Some would say the world. Essen can give it a run for its money, obviously. Um, but typically, a lot of companies uh, save their major releases for the year for this time. Um, there's a lot of stuff that... This is the time of year when our wallets start to hurt <laughs> and they start to cry because they're like, oh, there's so much oh, stuff. It started, it started early this year. What are you talking about? So, I mean, but yeah, so it's, it's so there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, there's 10 or so games that, that we were in particular looking forward to that are either releasing at or right around Gen Con, and we figured we'd talk about a few of those today. Yeah, um, the first one that really struck our fancy was the Game of Thrones LCG. I think this is the second edition that's mm-hmm. coming out, because yep. it was out... One Controversy! Before, yeah, you know. Because <laughs> all the first edition folks are... A lot of them are very up in arms about this, because they're basically canceling um, new stuff for the first edition set and completely moving over to the second it, edition, yeah. yeah. But um, we've tried... A couple LCG games before, mm-hmm. and they just haven't worked out for us. Like it just hasn't gelled with us. Well, not not with both of us. I mean, I like I've talked you know a lot on the show already about how much I enjoy Android Netrunner, but Emily hates it. Um, well, no, but like we tried the Lord of the Rings one, and it mm-hmm. just like it, it just, like we lo- we like Lord of the Rings, but it just that the game did not jive well with us. Um, we tried what was the other one we tried? Star Wars. Star Wars. Yes, yeah. that one. No, neither of us no. like that one very much. <laughs> I mean, it, like, fan, oh, fantasy flights LCGs kill me because they all they all look so terribly interesting, but you just know, like, it's there. There's only a lot of value to be had if you really play it often and to some point expand it. Now, the reason that we're looking at Game of Thrones is because this one seems like it has quite a bit of content just in that base box plus. It's finally a Netrunner-like game that I would play with Brad because I would like the theme a bit more. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, like, there's, like, so in, in the new edition, I think in the first edition when it first started, and so, I mean, someone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was cards for four of the factions in the first edition, in the core set. They added more throughout the history of the game, but this one comes with decks for eight, all like all eight factions that they're going to have at the launch of the game, which adds a ton of replayability to the mix because you can try a variety of different strategies. All the factions are going to have their own unique play styles. I can, you know, I've I've already been able to discern from the different previews. Um, they streamlined a lot of the rules from the original version. The rules for this one seem really simple. Um, really easy to pick up and play. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, Plus, it helps that we actually like Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, <laughs> obviously, obviously that definitely helps out a lot. Yeah, because Doomtown we've enjoyed, but we don't play it as much as I feel like we should. Yeah, I guess. like I said, I keep telling you that we need to get to get that to the table more well, often because if you want me to be able to build my own decks yeah. and things, I need to. Well, it's I mean it's it's know. tough for you and I because we like to bounce around to so many we have different things. A, as one yeah. of our friends told us, we have gaming ADD. <laughs> So, but like, but but like, what I'm actually kind of hoping for from this is I'm hoping for a core set that has a really replayable experience that's not going to make me need to run out and grab the, the little add on packs, yeah, all the time. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe we might just get like the big box expansions that come out for this one if we like it that much, that kind of thing. So, look, yeah, look for that Game of Thrones second edition. Um, Are hopefully we going to have to sleeve it? 
Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, we'll see Lord. how much we play it. We'll see how much we play Lordy it. Lord. Sleeve, what, what? Sleeves are our downfall. I know. Well, we have a lot of extras right now. So Yeah, but the one that we're going to talk about later, I got to get 700. I got to get 700 more sleeves. <laughs> so the next one on the list, this is a game that was on Kickstarter a few months back. I was tempted to pull the trigger. I abstained. Uh, I don't ever remember you bringing this to my attention. Well, I never got to that point. Like, I, like I, if I was, you had, I'd have probably made you pull it because I'm a big old nerd. And oh, damn, I wish I'd shown you that. Yeah. So this is uh, this is Tesla versus Edison War of Currents. So this is a, um, it's like a card game, but it's actually it's, a stock market. Yeah, game. I was gonna say yeah. it's mainly it's got a big old stock market. You can um. You can play the stock market. Well, you're, you're basically you're you're, you're kind of hitching your wagon well, to the horse building, of an inventor. You're, I was gonna say you're building your electrical empire, as it said, uh, and you're, you know, you have your, what was it? You have your scientists. Mm-hmm. You have your your banker or your backer, or whatever it is. Yeah. But where this is cool is that um, it's all about having the most, amassing the most wealth. So it's kind of like a Panamax sort of thing because you can buy stock in other players' companies as well. So you want to help them somewhat. Um, Joel Eddy reviewed this on Drive Through Review, and he actually was impressed with the two-player version of the game. Which in game in in economic games like this, usually it's difficult. The it's, it's, it's really it's difficult lacking. to you know get it right. Well, because a lot of times, especially stock games, like have a like kind of requires a bit of cooperation occasionally from players. And obviously you don't get that in a two player game. So the fact that this one um, got his stamp of rule for two is interesting. Um, It's something that I'll be keeping an eye on for sure. Kind of see how, how it does when it gets in the wild. What do you, you want it right now? Don't you're you? mad now, aren't you? A little <laughs> bit, yeah. If I had shown this to you, oh, we might be, we might have it right now. We might <laughs> we might have our Kickstarter well, copies. Dag nabbit pop off. Oh well. But like I said, we'll we'll be able to check it out later on. Um, the next one on our list is actually one that we had a print and play of that we've talked about before is Matai and I. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually looking forward to getting this, getting our hard copy. Um, I think it's coming either right before or right after Gen Con, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's, um, uh, I don't know. What would you call it? Like a deck building set collection almost kind of thing. Maybe. Oh, it's more of a, it's, it's not, definitely not deck building. Um, I, it's, um, well, I feel like I have to build my deck to get stuff that I need. <laughs> well, it's, it's hand management, basically. It's, it's, it's Glory Rome 2.0. Um, cool. it's, well, I haven't got to play Glory to Rome 1.0. Thank well, you very much. because we can't find it anywhere. So. No, it's because I want the black box, not the goofy looking one. Yeah, but, but apparently we might not need it now because my tiny is coming out. Um, and this one's cool because it is, the, it's I think the it's a fifty four card deck of cards I think that is uh, and it's and it's one of those where the cards are everything which I kind of like those because it makes I I, I kind of like the minimalist games where you don't need much to actually set it up and play mm-hmm. you can just kind of get right into it yeah and I and and you've been digging in quite a bit um I remember the first play you were you the first had, play didn't really know what was going on I, you still won somehow but you didn't really know what was going on. I, I am a savant on our first time playthroughs. What can I say? He gets really mad. He's like, how is it that you just like, you're like, you're sitting there. He goes, I think you're just sharking me. He's like, you're sitting here. You're like, <laughs> man, did you, speaking of sharks, did you set the DVR for me? Uh, yes. Sharknado 3 is recording as Thank we speak. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, second playthrough, you definitely clicked it a little bit more. Um, I, I mean, I kind of want my regular copy of this, so I'm probably not going to be doing the print play <laughs> too much longer. But, yeah, looking forward to getting this one in the mail 
relatively soon. Are we still going to use our laminated little thingamajiggers or no? Oh, no. They're going to have full-size ones in the box. Are they going to be better? Yeah. They're actually cardboard or punch board. They're oh, not going to okay. be, you know, a crappy, uh, just a crappy laminated sheet of paper. So... Uh, next up is a expansion, second expansion for one of our favorite games. Suburbia. Yeah, Suburbia is... Five Star. Um, we watched um, Dice Tower Review with Tom Vassell with mm-hmm. this one. It's one of those where the, what was the first one? It was the Borders expansion. The Suburbia Inc. Yeah. Yeah. That, I believe, is a must if you really it's like Suburbia. Fantastic. It is awesome. I built a school next to a nuclear power plant because <laughs> I am the worst person ever. <laughs> but it got me lots of money. <laughs> it did, absolutely. Missed um, the, the Mr. Burns of suburbia, basically. But, like I said, since most of the time we play for we, we play with just us, you know, that one works out well. With Sur- with Suburbia 5 Star, I think it a two-player would actually take away from the actual um, the things that make it that make it work. Yeah, the the main crux of this one is that they add these new tiles they in the mix that are star cities. tiles. Yeah, that are that are like unique tiles basically that provide goofy abilities. But you have like literally when you make your piles at the beginning of the game, half of the buildings in the pile have to be the star buildings. And in the regular Suburbia and Suburbia Inc helped continue this, there are a lot of tiles that are dependent on other similar tiles being played to the board to create but combos. But the star tiles kind of make some of those tiles completely obsolete and useless. Well, it, just because you, it significantly decreases how often like those tiles yeah. show up together, basically. Yeah. So I I was excited to hear a new expansion for Suburbia when when they first and announced it. it. Could, it could be cool, but I'm very hesitant. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's something that we absolutely have to have. Like. I if I was going to uh, recommend Suburbia to someone, I would say get it and get the Suburbia Inc. Oh yeah, Suburbia Inc. is is great because it's fantastic. I I almost feel like we don't need any more for Suburbia though. Like I feel like it's I feel like it's at a really good state with just the base game and Mm -hmm. and the Inc. expansion. I agree. Um, This is one of those five player ones as well, which fortunately is not a concern for us. No. Um, Except that the player color that they're adding is green. Your color that you usually (laughs) that you usually use. That's okay. I'm I'm good with purple. Yep. this one so yeah i think i think this one might be a pass for us we might wait and see a little bit more once more opinions get out there in the wild but yeah uh, but yeah. just just on you know first impression i mean if bezier games wants I to send us a review copy then I we'll be happy to review I it don't, so. i don't see that it's a must buy for us yep so Next one is another expansion for a game that we also... Takenoko, yes. which we actually played last night with our friends. Yes, the first time for one of them playing, mm-hmm. and they liked it a lot. Uh, Takenoko Chibis is going to be the new expansion coming out. Baby uh, Panda. There's no news on this one, though. Like, I have no idea. So he, All so I here's... know is there's extra tiles. Some of the tiles have multiple colors. Uh, there's a female panda and baby pandas. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's adding pandas. new objective cards. But there's really not... There is not any a lot of information, yeah. But that being said, I know we're gonna buy it because <laughs> because we like Takenoko <laughs> that much that this is something that we're going to definitely be picking up. Yes. Apparently, people are sad out there because the very few folks that own the giant collector's box. Um. Oh no, they are coming out with the collector's edition that expansion as well. That's oh. insane. <laughs> it's probably gonna cost more than like our set and the expansion will together that's insane 
I wish I had that special edition, but Look, you know, if what are you we ever do? like <laughs> fall into some money one day, maybe. But then again, that will take up an entire cube in our expedite shelf. So yeah. I don't know. So next up, um, a game that we're actually very divided on uh, that I thought for sure that we wouldn't be. Uh, this is the new big hotness game from Plathat Games, um, Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn, which is they're calling it an expandable card game. Um, yeah. It's an LCG. Essentially. I'm just going to say it's probably one of those ones where like right now just watching gameplay and things like that. I'm looking at it like, OK, this is the same old song and dance. I'm kind of bored. Mm. But I have a feeling it's one of those ones you'll be like, oh, so I got a really great deal on this and we'll play it and I'll probably love it. But yeah, it like, just it just reminds me of of Doomtown without the spatial Doom, element. In I was getting Doomtown meets Yomi kind of thing. Sort of. I, I still can't figure <laughs> out where Yomi's coming from with that for the you. Life counter. Uh, OK, because you probably have probably what it is. Gotcha. So, yeah, this one, um, it's a but you each have a. Uh, a phoenix born which is essentially a planeswalker for magic you know big big crazy yes, guy but they can absorb the ashes and become a god that's right that's the whole goal um <laughs> and you build these custom decks of cards uh and you play don't mind me i'm a little sleep yeah. deprived and a little goofy right now but you play out you can play creatures you can play spells there's different um conjurations you can pull up the thing the two things about this game specifically that i find really interesting compared to most other card games is that your resources are done with dice. And at the beginning of the game, you have 10 dice, you roll them each round, and that'll determine what resources are available to you. I think that's cool. Um, you know, in something like Magic the Gathering, you have to build up a mana pool. In Android Netrunner, you have to get an uh, economy engine going before you can really start to pull out cool stuff. And this one, all that stuff is right there, ready for you to go. And that is kind of cool, but then yeah. again, it's dice, because you know how the dice hate me. Sure, but but there's ways to mitigate that, too. Like, you can discard cards to change your dice to whatever you want them to be, if you don't get the roll that you're looking for. The other thing I like is that at the beginning of this game, instead of drawing, instead of shuffling your deck and drawing a random assortment of cards, you actually pick the five cards that you start out with in your hand. So again, no more, you know, poor, re, you know, poor shuffles, start with a crappy opening hand. Like, you're like, alright, I'm going to pick these five cards, and we're going to get get my get my engine rolling straight from the get-go here and uh i think that's really interesting um it looks cool and it, and it's a it is expandable game that i don't think they're going to be pumping out new stuff every month for see i think that's the other thing yeah. it's like i hear that and then i see dollar signs and i'm just like okay look we got a kid we want to maybe have another kid one day i can't be having a money suck on my hands well that's what i'm saying though because so they said that the expansions for this are going to be similar to what they did with the summoner wars line where they come out every couple of months mm -hmm. with a pack and the pack will have like a new phoenix born and new cards for that phoenix born and then new like common cards but that'll only be like an every couple months kind of thing yeah but you know how i am i mean christ we get dice masters and i made you buy me a gravity feed <laughs> remember true. i made you buy me a whole freaking gravity feed but now we have like almost all the cards yes because your wife is smart and said hey this is the more prudent financial decision let's just buy a whole gravity feed and be done with it see but we, but we also are going to limit ourselves to just that version of dice masters i think well yeah because we're a dc household yeah but they're, they're coming out with another dc version just so you know Ugh. not that i need to tell you that but yeah so that's happening bad idea way. to well, tell me that van but what are you gonna do um so one we were looking at was called tides of time it's actually 
a micro game. It's a card game. It's actually, it reminded me a lot of Eminent Domain Microcosm. It reminded me a lot of Eminent Domain <laughs> Microcosm. Like my first thought that was like, because he's, you know, I watching like a gameplay and he's like, oh, and you see the different cards they have on the bottom. It says, you know, if you have this, you score this and, and yada yada. It's the same exact thing as in Microcosm. And um, I really enjoy Microcosm a lot. We mm-hmm. actually played the crap out of that when we had the print and play. And we actually, when we backed it, we bought two copies. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's and but it's it's so similar to Microcosm that I don't know if, if we, we need, need it. it. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm stuck on with it. I mean, it looks like a solid game. This is being published by Portal I would, Games. I'd like to see the art up close and personal because mm-hmm. you know me, anything well, related is by, fun. By the same token, you know how we are. Being as this is a micro game, I think it's like 18 cards is the total number of components that's in the game. Um, it's going to cost like $15. So we're just going to get it anyway. See, we also, like, kinda, oh, we also look at this as like down the road, you know, on vacations and things, games that are easily portable to take with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, time time is interesting. Um, I my only fear is that it's going to be so similar to Microcosm mm-hmm. that I don't know if we're going to need both. Right. So. Um, next on our list is Flick 'em Up. Oh, you were so excited! About I this. was so excited about this game. I remember. I think it was was it Chris Kirkman who tweeted the photo. Somebody they did. were playing. Yeah, it. I think it was Kirkman actually. And I saw this and I was like, "Honey, what is this game?" I was like, "I need <laughs> to have this game." I was like, "There's little cowboys." I was like, "And it's like a whole little western town." I was so excited. I made him get on Cool Stuff and pre order it for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's it's a dexterity game with like an old west setting where you and there's which all sorts there of scenarios. There are not enough dexterity games. Like we just played Rampage a couple weeks. Which 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 I'm like, I like Rampage, but I don't love Rampage. Like I, I I'm hoping that Flick 'em Up is just from what, a lot what more I've fun. seen and like gameplay that people have done. Like it looks like so much fun. I think we will love this one. I think we will absolutely love it. I mean, Christ, you have little bullets. Like, you do. Like, you're flicking you flick. bullets at people to kill <laughs> and them. You, and you can knock people's like cowboy hats off of their yes, heads. And people, it is stuff awesome. Like that. And you have to knock someone like they have the barrel and the hangman's noose and you have to like either say them <laughs> like he flicked the bullet. He goes, oh crap, I think I killed her. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. Comes in a nice I wood box, it. which you just found out today. Yes. I think, right? I was like so excited <laughs> that it's in a wood box. I'm... <sighs> I'm a big weirdo sometimes. Well, see, it's funny because like when I, I I saw this and the new edition of Catacombs around the same time. Sorry, I like this theme a lot more. Do you? I see. I'm more excited for Catacombs. Catacombs looks crazy. Honey, we can get. Them. Oh, I know we're we gonna can, get them both. We're I'm gonna sure. get them both because I am. There are not enough good dexterity games out there. Yeah, I would agree. And and also for this one, um, they've already announced an expansion that's going to be coming out. And to flick them up. Little horses. It's got horses. It's got ramps that you can that you can shoot like high shots basically Sorry, i'm geeking a little over this because i'm so excited he's like seriously calm your butt down don't calm down like i said we we don't really have any dexterity yeah, ra- i mean rampage is is we all do we, we do have another one coming that you don't know about by the way that i'm surprising you with oh are you yeah we'll, we'll probably talk about that on the next episode of the show because i think we'll have it by then okay so we'll have to see i love when goes. he surprises me yep so uh, one that I was turned on to from Geek All-Stars uh, when I was listening to the past episode, uh, Dan Patrice had talked about the Undercity, an Iron King's adventure board game. Uh, this is from uh, Privateer Press, mm-hmm. who does the Level 7 series. Um, they do a variety of different miniatures games. I knew showing this to Emily would pique her interest for sure. This is a cooperative um, dungeon, crawler. dungeon crawl, essentially. 
which uh, I've never been like Brad was all into video games and he was into like dungeon crawly type mm. video games well, and things even, like that. Even growing up, I played HeroQuest and love HeroQuest. So. Well, see, I never played HeroQuest yeah. and I was never into like the Zelda games or anything like that. I was never a big fan. But then this one introduced me to uh, Descent and mm-hmm. then we got uh, Arcadia Quest, which Arcadia Quest I fell in love with instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... And I, I watched this. I watched like just their little overview video, and I was just like, um, I want it. <laughs> yeah my my only my only fear with this one is that I I I wonder if it's going to be if it's going to strike a lot of the same chords that Arcadia Quest does. Yes, but this one's cooperative, whereas well, Arcadia Quest is not. It, Arcadia Quest is like semi cooperative. Like it's cooperative to the point I don't that think there's. So. We did not play it cooperative whatsoever. Well, not no, yeah, we definitely were punched each other in the face for sure. But uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Well, then I'm trying to think of what else we would have that's similar. I feel like we have something that's similar. I don't know what it is though. Oh, that's right. We tried Galaxy Defenders, and that didn't really didn't that didn't really us. go over too well. So yeah, it's my only fear with that one. The game looks great. I mean, Privateer Press puts out great miniatures for their games. Um, yeah, they all look definitely nice really components. Cool. Um, the price point in this one is a little scary, but their their games usually come down pretty well for online retailers. So I just spent. One hundred and sixty-eight dollars on Zombicide. Really? Well, if that doesn't scare me, what's going to? Well, I mean, that's that Zombicide's coming with quite a bit of things in that box. So. But seriously, I just spent one hundred and sixty-eight dollars on Zombicide. Are you really think that it's going to scare me? Actually, it's going to be more like one hundred and eighty once we get shipping calculated. Right. <laughs> so, so there we go with that. Well, look, we're two thirds of the way to Takenoko. Actually, not even because I wish you wouldn't frame it like that. Because it makes me sad. But think about it, because remember, I just looked up on Amazon last night. It was down to two forty-five. What a steal! I'm not. I can't. I can't bring myself <laughs> to spend money on that game. If someone wants to buy it for us, go right ahead. But yeah, I'm not spending money on it. Um, the last game, and this one is an auto buy for us. It's been an auto buy since I heard about it. Um, Legendary Encounters is coming out with a Predator version. Yes. Awesome. We have Legendary Encounter Alien, and we have loved it since day one. We actually had um, the regular Legendary. The uh, Marvel one. Yeah, the Marvel one. And it was just, it was too easy for us. Like, mm. we just kind of did not feel challenged whatsoever. We got Legendary Encounters, and from the get-go, it punched you square in the face. Yes. I believe it took us five tries before we successfully got through the first movie oh guess what they've made it harder now like they have a new way to set up the decks that they want that they want everyone to use that makes it a little bit more challenging for the lower player counts but like this one's going to have um the two it's going to have the two predator movies you can do co-op or you can do um competitive competitive which is cool because the alien is all Mm -hmm. co-op well unless somebody becomes an alien which we never, I don't even think we ever played with that rule because I, no. I didn't like the alien deck no. being such a factor because all those cards are crazy. Um, yeah, this one, like I said, if you do, if you do the com- the cooperative game, it plays the exact same as Legend as the alien version where the enemies come out of a deck face down. You have to kind of search for them first before you can fight them and that sort of thing. Um, and then the competitive version actually flips the script so that you're actually using the predators against human prey basically and you're competing to see which predator can get the most honor 
for killing the most uh you mean people, the most spines yes the most yeah, the most the most skull and spines that you can hang who can skin the most i wish uh, my dad was here <laughs> to do his predator thing yeah of, our the son can do it my dad my dad does it you know to the baby he makes the predator noise mm-hmm. sander can do it <laughs> <laughs> so and the other awesome thing about this is that it is fully able to be integrated with the alien game as well so if you want to have the predators fighting the aliens you can go ahead and do that and this is the one that i was just griping that i need to buy 700 more sleeves because yeah, we, did, we did the first one with um lime green pro mats and now i need 700 more of them yeah but i mean we but we play we play legendary counters a oh. lot yeah so it's it's been yeah. a worthwhile investment to fully sleeve that game yes um so the i i would expect it to be the exact same with predator it'll be cool that we have something that we can if we want to mix it up we can do the competitive thing during the competitive one you can actually attack each other as well which is kind of neat and like i said it'll and if you want to have crazy like fantasy scenarios so if you want bill paxton and michael bain to fight the predators you can do that you can throw those cards in the deck if you want sigourney weaver to fight the predators if you want arnold to fight the aliens you can have arnold fight the aliens <laughs> arnold and carl weathers side by side and jesse ventura <laughs> yes i want jesse ventura please so yeah that auto oh buy for us no question um i i don't know if we're gonna be able to store them in one box but we're gonna try We'll see how it goes. I guess mama's got to get to making some more custom inserts. I don't know if that box is going to have room for an insert. You know how heavy that box will be with all those cards in it? Jesus. So, but yeah, that, so that is our Gen Con preview. It'll be as heavy as our toddler. Um, Hopefully we turned you on to a couple games because I, a lot of these games that, that I, that I'm looking forward to aren't on like the public buzz list basically. So hopefully a few things that uh, you guys might not heard of and that's it. That was a quite a show. Yeah, well, makes up for the last yeah, one. The last one promised, was, a, was a shorty. Yeah, we promised. A little, I, I thought we'd do a little extra this week just because we missed uh, the well, week that before and as doing well. a full-on review of Twilight Struggle. I mean that that game. Yep, and yeah. I I think that's something we'll we'll do more often for sure. The full reviews. Um, I've, we we mentioned when we first started the show, we used to do video reviews, and it's just really hard to do those with the you know with the baby and everything so like the audio review is definitely easier so look forward to more of those down the road so uh just a quick reminder um facebook and twitter at tabletop for two um check out the nerdpocalypse studios you have the nerdpocalypse you have dense pixels you have mouthful of toast you have black and black cinema no time to bleed well, that's, that's on the premium hey, side they need to do predator did they do predator yet predator <sighs> yeah predator predator you can actually get for free on no time to bleed yeah um but yeah, so you have uh, No Time to Bleed, which is a once a month, month once a month action movie podcast. What's the next one they're doing? Uh, they Rocky Four. <laughs> they just released Last Last Action Hero, and then Rocky Four oh, is coming. Last Hero. Yeah, it's coming next month. Um, look forward is a political show that that we do on the premium side. Oh, the airing every of week. grievances. Yeah, the airing of grievances. Uh, the showrunners Mike and Jay look at. Seinfeld, but related to personal events in their lives, which and it's we hilarious. have been watching a lot of Seinfeld lately. Yeah, it's but, been great. Yeah, but those three shows, um, those are part of the premium membership, which again is five dollars a month, fifty years. So definitely check that out when you get the chance. And that's it. That's it. Yep. So thank you guys for tuning in. When we come back uh, next time, Gen Con will have happened. I'm sure we'll have some thoughts about some things. Uh, we're looking forward to see what Fantasy Flight announces at Gen Con. Usually Waiting always something to crazy. see some surprises, hopefully, and see what's going on. Yep. But until then, uh, two weeks from now, we'll see you. Bye. Happy gaming.